Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is brought to you by The Joyful Fashionista, an online marketplace for buying and selling secondhand and sustainable clothing. Make cash selling as you declutter or buy sustainable and fabulous fashion. This podcast was recorded live at FinCon. Accordingly, there's lots of background noise. Hello, Frugalisters, and welcome. Today, I'm doing another podcast live from FinCon 22 in Orlando, Florida. And I have two very special guests today. And of course, all of my guests are special, but I'm really excited to be talking innovation especially lean innovation and financial literacy for children with these two beautiful ladies and they literally are beautiful but first i have a favor if you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as i do making it if it really resonates with you please share it on to someone who really needs to listen to it thank you so my two guests today are annie schoen and now her surname means german sorry in german means beautiful so like i said they're literally two beautiful women and nicole hood now the two of these lovely ladies um, did a fincon fintech hitch uh, two days ago here at fincon and they were shortlisted as the part of the top three pitches so they've done incredibly well so their product is called my first nest egg and they're going to be talking about this today but firstly lovely ladies how are you finding fincon it's been incredible we had such a warm welcome this is our first uh, fincon conference mine too it's been a lot of fun we've been really excited and there's been a lot of energy we're so amazed by all the people who are out there really putting personal finance at the forefront and uh, making it an important part of life for everyone else. So it's been, a, it's been a really fun experience. Fabulous. And I understand it was like quite a process to even be shortlisted to be able to pitch your fintech here at Fincon. Yes, we had to apply for the Best of Show Award and we did that with many, many other companies. And then they shortlisted the top six for that and then we won best overall of all six. Oh, so you were actually of those top three, you were best overall. Yes. Congratulations. I'm not surprised because I voted for you guys and I thought your pitch was brilliant, but um, fantastic and well done. So let's come back to your app. What does your app do? So my first nest egg is a digital financial literacy system that gamifies healthy habits for kids ages 3 to 12. Essentially, it is in the ultimate chore and allowance app that gives parents the tools to get their kids involved in housework really early, start having to make connections between effort and reward, build generosity, and just help them to understand the importance of achievement in life. Wow, so this is a way to get gamification, that thing that, um, I don't know about your kids, but mine, it's hard to get them off the computer. They really love all their tablets, they love their games, so they really understand and relate to gamification, to get them to use that kind of technology to get them involved in housework or chores. Is that, is that pretty much it? Yes, that's correct. It, it actually doesn't involve very much tablet time. When they do go on their tablet, what they are doing is reporting what they have done outside in their lives. So they can request puzzle pieces. We gamify healthy financial habits through puzzles. Kids can get a puzzle. It 
breaks all of their chores into many pieces and every time they do a chore or a task or housework, they ask for a piece and they watch it puzzle come together. And they can also request acts of kindness. So kindnesses they do at school or at home, they can request acts of kindness and be recognized for that. That's so important, the random act of kindness and building that generosity in kids early. How has COVID influenced your approach to household chores and have you noticed any changes in, in your kids? Like how has all of that impacted everything? Yes, actually we came up with this entire idea during COVID because we had all of our kids home during lockdowns. So we were together trying to teach seven kids. And Sorry, seven? Can I just... Yes, um, I'm Annie. I have four and Nicole has three. So we thought it would be an amazing idea to just get them all together to do homeschooling during the lockdown. Yes, yeah, so seven kids locked down. Yes, it was very loud and very chaotic and very messy. So we were trying to get them, one, to do all of their schoolwork, but two, just to help clean around the house, pick up their own stuff, make their beds, just make the house a more pleasant place. And we realized at the time that they weren't really pitching in very well. Uh, I can relate to that. My kids got a little bit lazy at a title during COVID and they were starting to talk about how wouldn't this be great if we never had to go back to school? The word entitled is a really big reason why we founded My First Nesting. We saw our kids not really having experiences in the world with money. There's no lunch money. Most purchases they see are a click of a button and an Amazon delivery the next day. And our kids were really not understanding that those clicks equated to us spending money. And so when things would break during COVID, we heard, just buy another one from Amazon. And so we really wanted them to feel the pain of spending in a digital world because they just don't have that experience otherwise. So uh, when they spend money in My First Nest Egg, they feel it and they can see it in their individual nest egg, which is an egg that represents their account. So they see their save, spend, and give accounts. And when they've spent money, they actually can see the money depleted from the account and it actually affects the way the egg looks. It does make a huge difference, doesn't it? Because particularly younger children, they don't really have much concept of, of how much things cost. Like they sort of have it in relation to things they might want, like whether it's bubble gum or you know, chips or something, but they don't really have a, a concept of how much it is in relation to you know, household appliances or rent or mortgage payments or anything else. Yes, and we always say at My First Nest Egg that kids can't feel money like they used to. They don't feel dollar bills and coins like they used to because society has gone cashless. But they still need to experience money to understand it. So the whole point of our app program is to give kids an experience with money so they can understand it. Right. Now, how early should or could kids get involved in the housework? Like I've heard some people say, you know, kids should just be doing housework as a regular thing. They shouldn't be paid for it. But obviously you guys have a different approach. I think we're in a, in a vacuum. I would love to say that my kids would do housework without me having to incentivize them. But as the reality of a mom with three kids, <laughs> that's just not the way life works. And that's not the way that kids are inspired to do something. You have to give them some kind of incentive to help them build a habit. And once the habit is built, then you can move it off of that plate of having to incentivize it all the time. Well, our product is built for ages three to 12 because we believe even a three-year-old can be helping out, putting their toys away, making sure the toilet's flush, making sure that their hygiene is well-kept. They should be in charge of washing their hands and brushing their teeth. And we, we even reward them for these things until that they are habits. I have a 
10-year-old, who at the time of this was eight, and he was a pig pen. Today, two years after starting, he makes his bed every single morning without fail. And with three kids, and then, you know, seven combined, just having kids making their bed every morning must just save you so much time and sanity. Yes, just having our houses be a little neater. Um, and I also want to say I understand people who have a hard time paying for every chore. Our app actually doesn't require parents to pay for chores. Our little kids, the three-year-olds, they don't really get paid money. They simply put pieces in a puzzle. And for some children, when they complete their puzzle and the confetti goes in the app, that's absolutely enough incentive for them. And that gives them the good feelings. And then they associate those good feelings with the achievements of the little chores they've done throughout the day. So it doesn't have to be about money. The older kids certainly need to start understanding and experiencing money, but the little kids just have to associate good feelings with earning. I think that's really so important. And just to share, actually, when my youngest was three, I used to give him a 50-cent coin rather than, say, a $2 coin or $3 uh, for pocket money. Because in Australia, a 50-cent coin is actually larger than $3. <laughs> so he thought he actually had a bargain. So certainly he got that dopamine effect from getting the big, shiny, you know, 50-cent coin, even though it was actually worth less money. He's cottoned on now. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Back to chores and back to finance and children. How important is financial literacy for young kids? How do you talk to your children about money? Financial literacy is critical. And I think the biggest stat that really caused Annie and I to panic a little bit was learning that money habits are set by age seven. And kids even have an emotional association with saving and spending by the age of five. So really, these habits are critical and the education is so important to start incredibly early. We talk about money as a language, and it's complicated on purpose. So we want to start giving kids even to start dropping some of the financial vocabulary early, not so that they understand the intricacies of compound interest, but so that they have a lifetime to build context and understanding of these complex terms. How have you found that your children and other children have reacted to the app? The kids love the app. That's probably the best part about it. All the feedback we get from kids. Um, we get text messages from moms with just quotes from their kids. I love this app. I can't wait to make my bed. I can't wait to do my chores. So let's just backtrack again. I can't wait to make my bed. Yes, they can't wait to make their beds because they want puzzle pieces. Now, after they get enough puzzle pieces, they start to feel good. And as Nicole said, I also mentioned he's also making his bed every morning. And it's not for puzzle pieces anymore. It's because when he walks in his room, now he likes that his bed looks neat. He likes to pull down the covers at night instead of getting into a messy bed. So it's all about building up those good feelings until they form a habit. But kids love it. They like a lot. They also like the community page where they get to see their friends. It's all nicknames on the community page. Uh, and there's leaderboards that reset every single month. And they get to see other kids, big nicknames, Grammar Queen, Goose, 
Silly Al. They're just cute little names, so they don't know who they are, but they know there are other kids who are also achieving and being kind and saving. And other kids who are doing housework, which is a big thing too, because, you know, there's this whole thing where you think mum's just, it's usually mum, although in our case, stepdad is very good with housework, so he's usually one telling the kids to do the housework. But sadly, it's often quite gendered, so it's usually mum telling the kids that they should do housework, and they don't want to listen to mum, do they? No, but being inspired by other kids, the competition for boys has been incredible. We got a text from mom who said her, uh, he's 11 now, uh, he was waiting for her to wake up to let her know that he had cleaned his room and made his bed. And then he also wanted to know if he unmade it and remade it to get a second puzzle piece. Okay, <laughs> um, <yeah>, good try. <laughs> maybe try unpacking the dishwasher and doing a load of washing, maybe. There's plenty of chores to be done. plenty of chores to be done. So you had this idea during COVID. You saw that, as you said, you felt your seven children combined were becoming a little bit entitled. Um, they didn't have that connection with money. You wanted to do something. So did you draw on your extensive background in tech to come up with this app? <laughs> um, Nicole and I are both laughing right now because we do not have tech backgrounds. Nicole is a former corporate attorney who scaled companies, and I'm a former prosecutor who helped victims in the courtroom. So, no, we did not have tech backgrounds. We really relied on the help of friends and family to teach us what we needed to know. And then we found just an amazing kid um, who helped us build our first version of the app. You had this idea, and how was it as female entrepreneurs and innovators? Like, was it any different the experience than if you'd been two guys doing this? It's really funny, but I'm going to tell you, I think we had a tremendous advantage being female entrepreneurs in this, in the chore and allowance market. And when we were building this company, we were looking at some of the other options out there, and we realized that they were all being built by men and some of them who didn't even have kids. So what we did is we applied a lean methodology, and I'm gonna let Annie talk about this because I call her the queen of lean, (laughs) but I really found that because we didn't have a lot of money, what we had to do was pivot often and make all of the things that we knew were really important, push them to the forefront and let everything else fall away. So we couldn't afford to do connections and debit cards and all the things that some of these other things were doing that were fancy. When we cut down to it, we realized that it was actually a blessing and it helped us really to bring out and to help the kids and and really fulfill our mission in a much better way. Well, that's a really good point because, you know, you'd assume you'd need to do this because this is what you do for fintech for adults. But how many three-year-olds have their own debit card, right? No, you're 100% right. And three-year-olds don't need their own debit card. In fact, we did a survey and have since done research on this. And most parents think kids don't need a debit card until they are at least 12 years old. And that's a pretty mature 12-year-old. A lot of kids don't need a debit card until they're 14. They need to build the habits that will teach them how to use that debit card when they get it. Yeah, my 12-year-old has a debit card. I think he's had it for about, oh, not quite a year now. And he was very keen to have it. And it was interesting because I was noticing the other day that his balance didn't seem to be going up relative to his brother's. And I realized that sometimes now he goes and buys his own chips and bubble gum and stuff. But it's within reason because, you know, his mum's frugal and we talk about money. And it's good because he's getting to experience that. But it's just really funny because I had no idea he was doing that. I was going to say, it's so good. Nicole and I are such big advocates for letting kids make these small mistakes in the safety of their home that will teach them the big lessons so they don't make those mistakes later in life. 
Oh, I totally hear you. In fact, this same child, he started getting profit money when he was in, just started school. So, oh, he probably would have been about five or six. So I'll just say six, right? So he gets his first profit money. He goes to school. He goes to what we call the tuck shop, which you'd probably call the canteen, the school area where they sell stuff. And he buys himself an ice cream and he buys one for his best friend. And that's fine, but he uses up all of his pocket money for that week and the next week. But he's quite happy. Then the next week, he goes along. He still had some pocket money saved. And then he decided to lend $5 to another kid who never repaid him. And he was pretty upset about that. But, you know, I'd rather he learned that lesson at age six. So I didn't rush to repay that money. I just went, well, you know what? You've learned something here. I think that's great. We really, as Annie said, we really like letting our kids make mistakes. But once they've made the mistake, it's really interesting to see them put it all together. Uh, we were out doing a little bit of shopping, and my son is, uh, he's an athlete. He loves athletics and he loves every sports team. We were in a specialty sock store, and Ooh. he saw socks from his favorite team. And he picked them up, and was so excited, and I said, you have money in your nest egg, feel free. Pick them up and put them down again. And walked around the store, and I could see consternation on his face. Pick them up again and walked around the store. And I finally, we were getting ready to leave. I said, "Do you want to buy the socks, bud? You have money." And he says, I'm "Never going to be a millionaire spending fourteen dollars on socks." <laughs> <laughs> and how different is that to an entitled kid who's like, "Mom, mom, 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 mom," and then parents who rush to buy the next that, that, that pair of socks so that their child can be happy and they don't appreciate it. Yes, that's right. And as parents, it's it's almost not fair to us because we have this deep desire to make our children happy, but sometimes making them happy in the moment leads to a lifetime of unhappiness later. So it is very difficult to realize that sometimes kids just have to sit in a little bit of unhappiness and that will lead them to learn the lessons that can make them happier people. Well, it's all about learning to make the choices, isn't it? But Annie, while you've got the microphone, I wanted to go back to talk about lean innovation because I gather that this has been something that's been really important to you in your tech and innovation journey. That's correct. We could not have done this without lean innovation. In fact, I feel like that came on the scene just in the nick of time for us for a couple of reasons. One, it's how Nicole and I naturally operate in our lives. I mean, we are fairly frugal people. And two, we just didn't have any money to spend on this. So everything we did, we had to do it in the least expensive way. So one just quick example is that there are a lot of companies that will test your app for you. You pay the money and they put it in the hands of people and they find all your bugs and they do all the testing. We absolutely could not afford that. So we just found all of our friends, all of our friends' friends, every mom we could find, we gave them our app and for a year, they tested this app out and gave us feedback and said, we like this, we don't like this. We watched people stop using it and we asked them why and they gave us feedback. And when the mom started coming back on their own to use the app and were telling their friends about it, we knew that we had hit that threshold that it was going to be a success. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that because you're right, like there's this sort of, um, in the innovation world, there's sort of this sense that you need to get big investors early and you need to go big and you need to become the unicorn and you need to have all the bells and whistles. But it sounds like you got you, you girls just said, no, that's not what we're doing. We're in our mid 40s, we're not aiming for unicorn. <laughs> Maybe just like an old mare that's going to keep going. So we're pacing we're, we're really, we're ourselves and everything. I mean, there have been offers for us to take on capital, 
but it would delude us so early on before we really know what we had. And so what it's done is it's forced us to make decisions. And I feel like every time we ran into a place where we thought, okay, now we need to spend a lot of money. And then we would think about it and not be really ready to do it. And we just have a gut check reaction like, this doesn't feel right yet. We found another window or a door that was even better in helping us refine our company. You two are just, I'm so impressed. You're just such powerful women following your passion and making this dream come to life. Do you have any advice for any other women or men who have an idea for something about how they could go about it? My biggest piece of advice is don't be afraid of failure. And that's so hard because everybody is so afraid of failure. And as Nicole mentioned, we're in our 40s and we did have great careers and we were really good at what we were doing. So you weren't always in tech? No, we were not always in tech. As well, you said before, we so you really had nothing to do with tech? Nothing, no. So we had to kind of embark on this journey in an area where we absolutely could fail. We don't know very much about it. Um, and just jump in and learn as much as we can and rely on everybody around us. And that is one thing. People want to help you. Uh, the community in Arizona, our friends, our family, strangers. It's amazing at the people who reach out to help us. And we have absolutely, I think we spent the entire first year taking every meeting we could with anybody who would talk to us and give us advice. Wow, that is powerful. And you're right. People do like to help other people. But you have to be willing to trust that process too. I would say the biggest piece of advice I would give to any woman starting out, and this might sound terrible, but you need a partner, you need a co-founder, you need someone who compliments you, and I don't think I would have gotten two months into the process without having someone who complimented my skills. Right? I, I can see a mountain 400 feet, 400 miles in the distance, and yet I needed someone who could say, what are we doing today? And you need to find someone who can compliment you because there are really tough days in entrepreneurship. And it's so nice to have someone to share those bad moments with, to share the good moments with, but also in the times where you're not seeing the next turn, they can help you see the next turn and then you can kind of march on together. So I really, really, really think having a co-founder, once you find that person, to be so respectful of that relationship and to really honor it and to honor whoever you're working with because it is such a fundamental piece of moving forward. How did you two ladies meet? We actually um, met when I moved to the school where Nicole had her kids and the school set us up so that she was our mentor family. So our kids met each other, we met each other, everybody became fast friends almost immediately and we almost always joke that that was probably the biggest mistake the school ever made because whenever there's trouble, we are probably behind it. Good trouble. <laughs> good trouble, all good trouble, of course. But yes, we, um, we met at school and uh, became really good friends before we ever embarked on this together. Fabulous. Now, I have one final question for each of you, and it's not surprising, I know, given that I'm the joyful fruit minister, and that is, do you have a fruit minister tip to share? I think my fruit minister tip is to buy something that you feel really comfortable in, and if you spend a little bit of money on it, but it's a piece that feels classic and beautiful, go ahead and do it. I think I wear the same black jumpsuit that's kind of a classic piece to every fancy event, and people always laugh and joke, but I feel great in it. It's really pretty, and I feel confident in the little change of accessory makes it a little different, but I, I think buying classics, something that's worthwhile and something you take care of is, is, is my first release to tell. 
I so agree with that. So you ladies don't know this, but my mother's a former fashion designer and I have another startup myself, a second-hand marketplace, buying and selling second-hand clothes, called the Joyful Fashionista. <laughs> and I agree. So, you know, if you have those classic basic pieces and you can accessorise, um, it's fabulous. And you don't need a lot of clothes, although my husband would tell me I should listen to that advice because I do like clothes. So, Annie, what about you? My tip would be herbs. Uh, it's very different, but I like to cook a lot, and cooking requires a lot of herbs. And herbs are really, really expensive. So, uh, I don't know, several years ago, my husband started gardening and planting all the herbs. And it made a massive difference because you can pay $5 for a little tiny thing of basil or rosemary. But if you just grow them, and they can grow year-round inside, you just go outside and pick them. And you can end up saving a lot of money every month. And it's fresh too. It's yes. not like half shriveled by the time you bring it home. Yes, it's fresh. It tastes better. Um, and you need to use less fat in your cooking if you've got more flavor. So I think all around, it's, it's a win-win. Wonderful. Well, so thank you, both of you, for being my guest today. Uh, they're posing Thank you so much. I just wanted to say thank you for having us. We love being here. Thanks, Serena. Now, how can people find your fabulous app? Everyone can download our app by going to our website, myfirstnestegg.com. And we'd be really excited to help any family. We're really passionate about this. This is a mission-based. This is our second careers because we really wanted to see the world be a better place for our kids. Yeah, and we're also in both the Apple and Google Play stores. So if you type in My First Nest Egg, we should pop right up. But as Nicole said, if you go to the website, there's a link also to both stores. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Love the sound of this app and want to try it? Well, I've got a special deal for listeners of the Joyful Frigalista. Annie and Nicole have kindly created a special promo code that allows my listeners to use their app for free. Simply insert the word joyful, J-O-Y-F-U-L, at checkout. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley.